The swamp without a still is just a tent. A martini without olives doesn't quite make it. And Mash Minute is intended for mature audiences. Let's, uh... Let's stop planning more podcasts. <laughs> yeah, I know, for right? us to do. <laughs> we gotta finish this one first. <laughs> yeah. At one point, I was like, should I do Casablanca Minute by Minute? Because I really... That's the Minute by Minute one that I really wanted to do. Because yeah. I was like, I mean, there's some great movies out there, but I don't want to do Chinatown Minute by Minute. As great a movie as that is, because I'd rather be a movie that makes me happy to be there for every minute than <laughs> makes me depressed. You know, no one's going to do Schindler's List Minute by Minute. Oh, God, you know, I hope not. You I know. hope not. No. I would cry. <laughs> okay. Put on your headphones. Listen for the tone of your favorite podcast. Well, it's a minute-by-minute detailed analysis of the movie without which the series wouldn't exist. Megan and Toonie, and guest will make three. Goddamn army, mash minute. Welcome to Mash Minute, where we analyze the 1970 Robert Altman film not the TV show yet, question mark, one minute at a time. I'm Megan Coleman. I'm not promising anything Tierney Steele. <laughs> and I'm Paul Sullivan, creator of Sully Baseball. Woo! Please, please call me Sully. Hi, Sully. Hi! <laughs> <laughs> you've already got him doing it. Yes! Two minutes in and you've already corrupted our guest. I'm so proud of you, Megan. Hey. I, I, I love cast for that reason. Hey! <laughs> Hey, uh, Megan, are we going to do after MASH minute by minute? Or the, uh, the I have, what I have told people that I'm doing this podcast, that we're doing the movie, not the TV show, which I yeah. constantly feel you have to explain, yeah. um, which is fine. People always ask, oh, are you going to do the TV show? And I've only like two or three times been asked about after MASH. Well, now it's been three times for me, so there no, you go. And no one has asked about that weird Trapper John show, no, too. No, 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 I have it written out. Wait, I have out, like, how many episodes each one is, and Walter with the things in between. Yeah. Oh, and, right, yeah. Um, McLean <laughs> Stevenson reprised as Henry Blake on Cher, and there was Mutt, which is part of something else, Croc, Uncle Croc or whatever. I don't know. I'll find it. But, <laughs> There yeah. wasn't a cartoon where, like, there was a, a like, were Hawkeye dogs. and a, like, a, Mush. yeah, Mutt. <laughs> All right, let's. Uh, we're, so, where my are we actual question for yeah. minute 23, which, yeah. by the way, begins with Duke trying to figure out where the new man in town is from and ends with Trapper fishing an olive out of his jar, is why is Trapper John doing this? Oh, I, I will. I, this is one of my favorite minutes in the entire movie. That's and why I gave it to you. I think that there's wonderful comedic timing in this entire minute. Whether it's when he opens the beer at the exact moment where it sprays out, he pops the bubble at the exact moment that there's... But at there's a wonderful... It's a comedic scene with three fantastic actors, all due respect to the guy who plays Ho John, whose name I can't remember right now. Um, Tim Atwood, and Tim Atwood. that's as much as you can ever find out about him. So it's, but, it's fair. <laughs> but by second 20, there's an exchange between Sutherland and Gould, where he says, I don't know your name, stranger, but your face looks familiar. And it's my favorite moment of this scene, and it shows what a wonderful, when you have really good actors at, at you know work at their peak, mm-hmm. and you see the little grin come across Trapper John's face at this moment. And that <laughs> moment is why this is happening. 
he probably saw he saw who he was bunking with and he said i don't believe it and they said i wonder if he remembers me in fact mm. i'm not going to give him anything he's gonna have to figure it out i'm not even gonna tell the other guy because he said like mm -hmm. oh yeah this is a new bunk guy his name yeah. is john john mcintyre said oh my god we knew each other said like, nope i'm not gonna tell you. he probably saw the name of the person is hawkeye mm -hmm. pierce he says oh I, I love that I'm bunking with this guy and <laughs> I remember him and he's got to prove to me that he remembers me and I'm going to give him nothing. I'm not even going to tell him what hospital I was in. I was in Boston, but that could be anything. I'm going to be hidden under this big thing. And, he's, and he says, have you always had that mustache? And he gets mm -hmm. a little, the tiny shake of yes. his head with a grin because <laughs> it's like you're playing 20 questions. He's like, you're... <laughs> You're figuring it out, aren't you? Come on. And he's hopeful at that moment with that little grin. He's hopeful at that moment. They're like, come on. You know who I am. <laughs> and it doesn't happen until about two or three scenes later when he catches the football. And it instantly, it clicks. And then the reaction that he has, that sort of cocky walk, said, that's right, it's me. And he, he wants nothing more than to have Hawkeye say, you're John McIntyre, but he's, he is gonna, he is just, he's is what he's doing. And he's having the time of his life. And the, there's a great, I mean, Sutherland is, I mean, Sutherland's a great actor, obviously. And he has that look like he's trying to figure it out. He said, there's, there, there's a. Uh, I don't know your name, stranger, but your face looks familiar. And that's, you know, they're, they're gritty. They even cut back to Scarrett. Like, he's starting to grin a little bit, like, going, do these two know each other? And this is a scene that, when you first see it, doesn't really make much sense. I think when you see it again and you realize this is their friendship, if, if it was, hey, we have a new bunkmate. Hey, we knew each other back in the day. Yeah, we did. Well, that's, you know, that's not interesting. But this shows a lot of Trapper's character that he's going to have fun with even, hi, how are you? We went, we knew each other back when we were college students. And of course, remember that the, you know, we, we were introduced to, you know, we're introduced to Hawkeye and Duke almost simultaneously, and they're strangers to each other. And they're thrown into a room with Frank Burns, who's this, you know, pious, you know, blowhard and everything. And so now they're introduced to the other guys that are, who are, are we in for, are we in with another weirdo? Is this going to work? And, of course, you know, Hawkeye would love it to be someone that he could be a drinking buddy with. And that's when he offers him the martini. But uh, this is this is just, this is character building stuff. You know, Hawkeye seems to know everybody. I mean, he knows, he goes to freaking Japan later and he knows uh, <laughs> Mille, Mille Mars. Yeah. Like this. Yeah. And, and, like, he just seems to have connections with everybody but this is someone who knew but he, he couldn't recognize it if you always had that mustache and the, the little little shake of the head is like you're getting closer you're getting closer and this well, it is makes sense because it's not like they were best buddies back no then, as no. we're gonna find out you know it, it would be someone who it's like i wonder if he remembers it yeah. is a question yeah and it's a and it's a and it's, it's it's fabulous character building for these characters. And it's also wonderful to see these two, I mean, Scarrett coming back and forth to him as well. But, you know, just seeing these two wonderful actors and the director who allows it to play out in a way 
that just lets them... No one has that little talk giggle that Donald Sutherland has. That's oh. a face. <laughs> yeah. He, yeah. Like, well, he, he yeah. talks and kind of laughs a little. He does that... He has a flirty scene in Invasion of the Body Snatchers where he does something very similar. So do that little thing with you. And it's very... It's flirty in that film. It's very friendly here. And it's very... It's a very endearing quality to Sutherland's Hawkeye, which is such a different version of Hawkeye than if you're used to only the Alan Alda, which is, you know... That... It's almost like Sutherland sings this role. Yeah. Like, even when he's not singing, it there's a <laughs> lilt to it. And I, I have the note from this minute that every line of Hawkeye's is imprinted on my brain to the point where I actually construed a situation in one of my books so that I could use the... The premise of this. I don't know you, sir, stranger, but your face is familiar. I don't know your name, stranger, but your, stranger, face, but your is face is familiar. Is familiar. <laughs> are you a Are you a beer drinker, or would you like to share a martini with me? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I think you'll find these accommodating. They're quite dry. You're right. They, every line he says yeah. has a has a great welcoming singing. rhythm. It's beautiful. <laughs> and yeah, and it's uh, I, I I love this. I love this scene. Of course. He says, you know, I think you'll find these accommodating. They're quite dry. Of course, they're, he knows this is basically being made in a bedpan. <laughs> yeah, this gin. Yeah, this is And I say that as someone who prefers cheap gin. Yeah. So I, I'm not standing on any holy Bombay <laughs> Sapphire thing here. But this is bad. There's no way. Okay, so first of all, I liked the scene a lot better before I realized that Trapper John is drinking with gum in his mouth. Right. Ew. Well, they do have to make several accommodations. They are three miles from the front line. I don't know. Maybe it makes it taste better. I was like, I'm going to make a cute reference to Miracle on 34th Street. And then I'm like, wait, wait. Ew, and he never takes it out. So now there's multiple alcohols and gum happening. Yeah, I, I don't yeah. drink. I don't drink, so it really doesn't matter to me either way. You know, I, I chew a lot more gum than I drink alcohol, so <laughs> I prefer the taste of gum. Yeah. Uh, although bubble gum, not I not recommended to combine. <laughs> yeah, although I don't chew bubble gum anymore because I'm older than twelve. But uh, I, I am a gum chewer of, of yeah. peppermint and spearmint. Uh, for those of you who who are keeping score at home. Every line reading of this scene is wonderful. I mean, it's a, the editor of this just got all the best takes in this. You know, don't you use olives? I just said like a snob, like he's at the the Algonquin Round Table instead of the getting a a martini out of a bedpan in a tent. And that then they cut to Duke. Saying, "Oz, where the hell do you think you are, man?" Like, and it's like, like choke. I yeah, mean, he's like, yeah, like he's like at mid burp. You know, <laughs> was, the hell think, like, but what that also is that like, he probably just took a sip of the martini himself, which is <laughs> probably lighter fluid, yeah. and so he <sighs> probably. It's, this is the gin equivalent of Dubra, Megan, Ugh. and listeners who do drink. That was the big thing at UConn. It was a dare. Like it was a dare to take a shot of Dubra because it would insult it's cheap vodka and I saw a guy once do it after at a mill ball after (laughs) after mill ball once a guy he took a shot of Dubra and he fell uh, to the ground I I don't when I say when I say I don't drink I don't mean occasionally I mean I don't I got drunk once in 1988 at Marion Briggs's house I didn't like the feeling of it I didn't like how I felt 
drunk. And I also know I have a very bad time breaking bad habits. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I never met anyone who said my life was in shambles and then I started drinking and everything <laughs> fell into place. So I, 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 made, that. <laughs> I made the conscious effort. I said, I'm not even going to have a glass of wine. I'm not, I did stand-up comedy for a long time. And um, I was always in bars, and I was never tempted mm -hmm. to drink. I ordered the the hamburger, you know. I drank. <laughs> I, I had a I had a milkshake at two o'clock in the morning, you know. Because, so to hold the scotch, you know, to, to sort of like yeah, I've had very bad habits, but they didn't involve drinking alcohol. And this was during my stand up days. I used to do a lot of shows in the deep south, like Alabama, you know. Like I was in Duke Forest territory. And, <laughs> I think it was in North Carolina. There was one night, I can't remember which show it was. I, it may have been the night I was opening for a hypnotist or something. It was a terrible shows I used to do in the Carolinas. Beautiful country, but horrible shows I would do. And I was on stage and I was just bombing. I mean, they just like, I was like the spider in the toilet, just flailing, waiting to get flushed. And someone put down next to me a shot. He said, you need this. And I said, what is this? It's, it's Jaeger. Oh, God, I not Jaeger. And everyone was saying, do the shot, do the shot. And they were cheering. Now, of course, mm. I I want to get off the stage unmurdered. That's what. That's my goal, is to not be murdered. It's a good goal? <laughs> you know, you go into a show thing like, I hope I get a, I hope, you know, I'm going to do a half hour on stage. I hope I get a good reception and maybe a standing O. And this was a night where I'm going, I want to get back to the hotel alive. That's my goal, is to get back not dead. This was in 2000, and he put the thing on the chair next to me, and I hadn't had a drink of alcohol of any kind, save for a sip of champagne at my brother's wedding, in 12 years. And there's a shot of Jägermeister. <laughs> and I'm like, what am I going to do? It's like, I have to do this shot. I have to get this audience on my side. And I did the shot. And... The olives, where the hell you are, man. That's how I probably sounded <laughs> the rest of the show. It took oh. every ounce of willpower yep. to not vomit all over that stage. And uh, that was a night, um, I was I was a single man at the time. That was a night where you're like, I don't think I'm uh, going to flirt with the waitress after this show. I think this is a... <laughs> This is a night that I'm going to go back to my hotel room. You really do just want to go to bed. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 you know, a lot of times you hit on the waitress or someone afterwards, and like or something like that. But this was a night like I'm going to lie in bed and watch Sports Center till I fall asleep because uh, <laughs> uh, I feel really terrible right now. But uh, when I saw that face that uh, Skerritt gives saying, oh, with how thick you are, man, while drinking Hojohn's martinis, I, I have a flashback to Topsail Island, North Carolina is where I think it was. I, I have to look it up. I think it was in Topsail Island, North Carolina, bombing and doing a shot of Jägermeister in front of a bunch of people who... who Jaeger's who, never a good idea. Hey! No, but, but I will say, what I'll say is... After that, you know, when I did that, they all cheered and they were on my side. So I, in the last 10 minutes went fine. And I realized, you know, if I vomit on this crowd, they may cheer that too. If I pulled a Linda Blair, you know, they'll remember me. Um, but uh, they were they actually, they were on my side after the after I did the shot. And I, the last 10 minutes or so went okay. But well, man, my, their peer pressure had worked. Yeah, my first 20 minutes was... Uh, was you know a Hiroshima type bombing I was doing on stage as as would happen from time to time you know so yeah that's uh, 
that face is me on stage uh, drinking Jaeger. I did Jaeger shots for my 21st, so oh, I'm abstaining God. from this conversation. And the little, you know the little paper cups that, like, they give you pills in at the hospital? Oh, yeah. They yeah. Were, they, we were in those, and they were lined up on the bar. And I remember sitting on the stool, and I had my my arms on the bar, like, crossed, and my chin on my hands. And I was like, you're so little. You won't hurt me. No, and you're dead. Yeah, that was the whole thing. Because I do drink, although I have to admit... I do prefer drier, and olives are way better than the people who put in the little pearl onions or. Blah, blah, blah. I like martinis. I don't I get tried the pearl them. onion thing. Megan, you saw me. I tried. I got olives. I got the vermouth. <laughs> I got the gin. I had the little plastic cup, and it just. Oh, because you did. Yeah, you did a yeah. gin martini, right? You didn't do a vodka yeah. martini. Yeah. Yeah. No, you, I don't like vodka at all. So. Did, did you shake it or stir it? Just uh, asking for a friend. <laughs> yeah, do you re- I don't remember what you did. I bet I stirred it. Nah, see? No, no, because I have no. the Did I you have, have the cocktail, cocktail shaker? shaker? So you probably I definitely had the cocktail shaker out. As you can tell, Sully, this night went on for a while. Yeah. And the martini experimentation happened at the beginning of the evening. So it's all kind of a little fuzzy after we figured out that we could just put the alcohol in the grape knee high and that we all liked that better <laughs> yeah, there's a there's a mash reference for grape knee high that was ray yep. o'reilly's favorite drink yep yeah that that's... was i i ordered a case of it for my 30th birthday <laughs> oh hey let me i gotta yeah. tell, i have to tell you another mm-hmm. the, not, this is a martini story in 84 i was 12 my brother was 13 and we went out to colorado to visit my cousins who were going to school at the university of colorado and this time, uh, I was wearing out the copy of MASH on my VHS, but I was also mm-hmm. really getting into, my brother and I were getting into the, the Bond movies. Like we, yeah. We, and oh, yeah. we were at some restaurant, me, I was 12, my brother was 13, my cousin Julie, who's a few years older than us, was there with her boyfriend. And we were talking about the James, we were talking about Bond films. Mm-hmm. And the waiter came over, uh, they said, do you want anything to drink? And my brother in a horrible British accent said, you know, vodka, martini, shaken, not stirred. <laughs> and, you know, like, yeah, because we, we all giggled. And yeah. then about 10, 15 minutes later, the guy puts a glass in front of my brother. And I guess he thought it was 7-Up or something, because I had ordered a 7-Up. Mm-hmm. And he took a sip of it, and he, like, he almost spit it out. And my cousin checked it, and the guy brought him a vodka martini, oh my gosh. shaken, not stirred. Now, my brother was, I mean, I'm guess the oldest he would have been is 14 because we were still living in Massachusetts at the time we hadn't mm-hmm. moved so he the, he was probably 13 now that I think about it I mean, forget carding the guy just like oh yeah all right I guess got to bring it over to him <laughs> and uh, which tells you a Dang. little bit of all you need to know about the city of Boulder Colorado <laughs> in uh, 1984 85 whatever year we were there but yeah my brother who did not look old for his age. It's not like, oh, man, he, you know. No, he looked like a 13-year-old boy, mm-hmm. you know, ordering a vodka martini like a jackass. Well, that's, yeah. yeah I, I, James Bond, I love those movies, but I have questions. Because, like, I don't like vodka. Shaken bruises the alcohol. And Heineken isn't a great beer. So I'm just like, I'm out when we go to the bar. I'm out. That's, that's your issue? That's, that's your, your issue. That's your issue is the Heineken? What? Yeah. Not a laser out of his watch. It's the how he orders his... Oh, no, I love Q. 
Yeah. Anything that he's been involved with, I love. And the cars. Hello. May I have the cars, please? But, hey, yeah, it's crap. Hey, I um, wanna, can I point out something here? I, I'd like to get back to talking about MASH for a second here. <laughs> but, um, but around second, let's just call it second 55 or so. Sure. This gives you an idea of, uh, as I said, I grew up watching it. Uh, we videotaped it off of Channel 38 in Boston on the movie loft. And that was... Uh, like obviously the worst quality video you could have. I think we recorded on SLP, which allowed you to put. Oh 15, yes, you got which more time. You, yeah, you could. Yeah, you could you put like five movies on a videotape. Um, the quality was worse than the Zabruder film, but it was like you, you didn't care. You didn't see. You, you know, you were just watching this sort of Keith Haring drawing of a movie on your screen, and it's like, oh, I guess that's Mash. And those colors kind of look like a movie. But one of the other things, it was all pan and scan, you know, because you're watching on a regular TV. Oh, and oh gosh. There's a wonderful timing that happens that I, later when I started watching it letterboxed, I realized there was a lot of times that they were cutting and panning and scanning in what were actually single takes. And there's a wonderful moment when, you know, Sutherland leans back and says, you know, well, we do have to make several concessions to the war. We are three miles from the front line. And he pulls the olive jar out of his coat. That's all one take. That's one take where he's talking and the timing of Sutherland saying his line, Gould listening but pulling out the jar from his jacket at the right time, Tom Skerritt taking the sip and looking over at the exact right time, <laughs> mm -hmm. that the timing of that in one shot is beautiful. That no matter which one of the three men you look at, there's something going on. And that when it's chopped to hell, pan and scan, you don't see how wonderfully timed and choreographed this shot is. Not that it's like a Brian De Palma shot where it's so complicated. I mean, Robert Altman's cinematography by its nature is to allow things to happen within the frame. But this I is a... Say, welcome to an Altman film. But this is a, <laughs> though, this is a great example of things allowing to happen within the frame you have three wonderful actors and timing out this perfectly timed comedic moment is something that for the first 647 times i saw the film i saw this scene being cut back and forth mm. like it was edited by edward scissorhands and now you know and i'm re-watching it now i've seen it more in the pan and scan version than i have in the letterbox version Mm -hmm. And it, and it kind of breaks my heart that, that that was the way I was introduced to this scene. But you know, just watching it now, this clip is to reminder of this is a this is a really great choreographed moment. And they don't cut; they they finally cut at second fifty eight of basically uh, Sutherland with his jaw yeah. dropping. Yeah, it's it's worth it for that face. Yeah, but to to time the cut to there, you know, they do the scene. He pulls the thing out that they don't cut to the olive jar. They cut to Sutherland's face. Yeah. Really. So, uh. Yeah. So Trapper just has those with him, huh? Just randomly. Well, it's like what I said before, what I said in the previous <laughs> minute that it's like Mary Poppins' bag. You just keep pulling stuff out. It's, 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 you wonder what else is in that jacket that he's not pulling out. Like, does he have a steak? <laughs> you know, does he have, uh, you know, does he have, uh, you know, uh, you know, I don't know, nunchucks or something. I don't know what else is in there, but something. 
Why I went to Nunchucks, I don't know, but that was, uh... Hey, you never know. This is my chance. You know what's in that jacket? Elliot Gould, who I've met, and who is a lovely person. Oh, yeah. Uh, for my IMDb, because I know you all are caring and keeping track, Elliot Gould is listed as six one and a half. We've got a half back. Ooh. Very yeah. excited. And he was married when this was filming. I've, I've been figuring out, like, where were they in life? Because Donald Sutherland was talking about how broke he was, and he's got these two kids he's got to, you know, feed. And <laughs> Elliot Gould was a father. His kid, Jason, was born in 1966. So when he was filming and making MASH, he was still married to Barbara Streisand, yep. as the guys in Friendly Fire put it, at the height of her powers. <laughs> yep. If, if people feel that this is inappropriate to say, not knowing Mr. Gould very well, uh, scandal. So <laughs> he and Babs divorced in July of 1971, and his first child with Jennifer Bogart, who he married and divorced twice. It's a whole, like, fascinating That sounds story. like a whole thing, too. Yeah. Their first kid was born November of 1971. So I have a theory. Now, wait a wrong. minute. Now, wait a minute. I just did the math there. And yeah. there's something problematic. Yeah, so I'm guessing that that had something to do with it. (laughs) You know, some marriages frown upon that. Yeah, so uh, (laughs) Jennifer, so uh, yeah, they, he and Jennifer Bogart, I'm assuming it's pronounced like Humphrey, uh, they had two kids, one in 71, oh, and I didn't write down the second kid's birthday, because (laughs) let's face it, it wasn't as thing, they didn't marry until 73, they then divorced in 75, remarried in 78, and divorced finally in 89. She has one acting credit from 1962 and as a, uh, a writing credit from 2004, The Defenders. Huh. And I noticed nothing else because everyone knows who Elliot Gould is and I'm not worried about it, except I need to give a shout out to Mulaney. You beautiful, flawed, I'm not saying it's the perfect sitcom, I see the problems with it, but for the love of God, Fox canceled Enlisted and then Mulaney two years in a row, and I am convinced that, like, that channel was out to get me, personally. <laughs> I loved those two shows, and M- Mulaney was good, don't let any, the, the episode where his mom comes to town and he has to pretend he's been going to church is fantastic. Let it out. Just no. let it out. This is, this yeah. is why we have this minute. We can, <laughs> we can we can talk about a Robert Altman film. We can deal with these issues, and uh, and we're we're here for you. We're here yeah, for I don't you. think Robert I, Altman I, would have been a fan. No, I can't <laughs> see Robert Altman being like, "I'm going to watch this Mulaney <clears throat> show." But you know, yeah. I liked it. But yeah. <laughs> By the way, this is also anyway. one of the times when he says. Getting back, again, I don't mean to bring us back to talking about the movie MASH, but <laughs> the, the last seconds of the, or no, not the last seconds, when he says, don't use olives, is one of the times, around uh, second 45, he pulls back the hood just enough that you really see his face, full face for the first time. And Sutherland looks away. You see, he looks away at that point. Mm. So there was almost a little clue. You see who I am? I like my olives. I like my martinis. But it's, it was also, like, shrouding his face, kind of like Brando in Apocalypse Now. And you don't quite see his face, full face, till he says, you're an errand boy. Uh, that this is kind of, you don't see his full face till he says, don't use olives. So that's the, you're an errand boy line of, uh, of MASH. But 
I, I, I love this scene, and it's a wonderful mm-hmm. it's a wonderful introduction to Gould as a as a comedic tour de force in this film. And as I said, it's very character building of who he is, and also character building in terms when you rewatch it of his relationship that he has with Hawkeye. And it's incredibly infuriating how it's cut over two minutes. Yeah, that's true. Yes, yeah, yeah. The, the the punchline doesn't quite, you know, Make you have it. to. You, does, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I I can't top that. I can't top that. I'm just gonna sit out the rest of this episode. <laughs> Yep. Nope. We're good. That's the end of the minute. And uh, thanks for listening. And uh, yeah, <laughs> that sounds good. Tomorrow we'll find out what this olive does. Yeah. <laughs> to the to the martini to our lives. I hope it improves the whole thing. That'd be great. <laughs> we again make no promises. <laughs>